founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Jordan and I are here with George Ozzie. George joins us on a zero to 5,000 to talk about the intersection of your passion and talent. While working for another company, George realized there were no solutions for small businesses to easily manage their leases or comply with accounting standards. So he developed his own software, Lease Query, which has now helped over 1,000 companies quickly fulfill accounting standards and provide valuable insights into their businesses. George found something he's great at, turned it into an obsession, and made a hyper-growth company out of it. After just six years in business, Lease Query is number 29 on the 2020 Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies. We're so excited to have you, George. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate yes, it. sir. The honor Welcome. is ours. I would love to start with the question we ask every founder on this podcast, which is give us a little insight into the inspiration behind starting this company. And even an interview I listened to of yours previously, uh, you mentioned as a tee up for you, uh, that your inspiration was less around just wanting to start a business as much as it was around being passionate about solving a problem. What problem did you see and, and what inspired you to go and solve that? Well, uh, I, I thank you once again for, for having me. And that's, that's a great question. Uh, the, the, I always say that I'm kind of a charlatan when it comes to starting a company because I never really started out to start a company, right? Uh, I had a problem. Uh, I was tasked with a chief accounting by our chief accounting officer, the company I was working for, the chief accounting officer, to to teach the controllers because this was a global organization to teach the controllers how to account for leases because our new auditors, the new auditors, uh, came and tested ten of the leases. And 10 of, 10 of them were wrong. Tested another 10, and 10 of, the, 10 of them were wrong. So uh, she tasked me with teaching the controllers how to account for leases. And, and going through that process, I'm a big, you know, show me rather than tell me. So I started to, you know, create an Excel spreadsheet that would, you know, help them with uh, getting the math right. Well, as I'm creating it, I, real, I recognize, listen, this is actually pretty simple, you know, math here, right? It's very, very simple software. So why not? go and and get software that actually does this since it's so simple and recommend it to to the company so i went and looked around for the software for for software that does this and none none of them did right and so in my role i knew that the boards were considering changing the rules to make them even more difficult right so i'm using the transition theory right if a equals b and b equals c then then a equals c right here we are the company's already failing the 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 accounting for the test. The accounting is actually relatively simple right now. Mm. Uh, there's, company, there's no company that solves the, the, the accounting problem as is right now when it's simple. So when it comes down to, you know, when it, when it changes, it's going to be a big problem. So why don't I help create something that, that, that solves it? If not, you know, why not me? Right? Yeah. So what did, did you... So, uh, did you develop that first in-house for the company you're working for, or did you leave to start and focus fully on, on developing the software? What happened next? No, I, I mean, what happened next, the, the, I remember the, when I made the decision to start a company that was in March 2010. 
So the first thing I did was uh, go and max out my 401k. And by max out, I mean I maxed the amount of money I put in into it, right? Uh, because my idea was, hey, I would borrow from my 401k uh, to fund the company in the early stages. This is, this is by the way, this is awful financial advice. So please <laughs> nobody say, nobody say George said, hey, you know, liquidate your 401k to, yeah. to start a company. I'm just telling you my path, my story. Sure. Uh, and, and so th that's, that's what I did was, was maximize the, the amount that I contributed with the idea that that's how I would fund a company. Uh, the second thing I did was, you know, uh, work really, really hard on understanding the problem, right? Understanding the new lease accounting rules, because I, I'm, you got to understand we're selling to CFOs, financial reporting managers, you know, SEC reporting managers, controllers. These are people that like people to be right. And so you have to establish credibility with them, right? And you can't be building lease accounting software where you don't really understand lease accounting, right? So, so what we did was I really delved into becoming a true expert on lease accounting. Um, and and so, so that took, that process took over a year. So I got, wow. as I said, I got the idea, uh, to, I decided to start the company in March 2010. The first line of code was not written until September 2011. Right? Wow. So in that year, 18 month period, uh, I was just really, really reading and understanding these accounts. Wow. And then how long after the first code was written, did you actually have something that you could turn around and, and pitch to a company? Did you actually have a product to bring to market? Uh, in 2013, we had something. Uh, and even then, I was still very skeptical about use about selling it, right? Uh, I remember the first time, just just a, a funny story. The very first client we got, very, actually, I, I have the check right here. Um, yes. Come on now. It's awesome. <laughs> this is the very first check we received uh, from Lee Square. I'm not sure if you can read it. Yes. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, this is the very first check for $500, right? So let me tell you the funny story. Uh, as I said, it, this was in 2013 and we hadn't, you know, I didn't have any clients, but I was still working on the, the product. And one of my advisors, I, I set up an advisory committee with some, you know, people that I, I knew that were smart and, you know, could add, you know, that, that I just wanted to pick their brains on things. And one of them calls me and he goes, you know, I think I have someone that could actually use your product. And I go, really? He goes, yes. And so he told me that this is a company called Fresh to Order here in a, based in Atlanta, yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, we went over to, to, to them and, and, you know, I was planning, I was like, okay, this is a, do not, this, this mission cannot fail. Right. I really, really need the money. <laughs> right. I need to land this client. This, this mission, this is a no failed, a zero fail mission. And so I went to, you know, I drove there in the morning just to make sure uh, traffic would be fine. I uh, had a change of clothes, had, you know, just, I mean, everything could, you know, everything could, had to, had to work like, well, the night before I'm looking through, going through my presentation and the demo. And, uh, and I thought, well, what if their projector doesn't work? Right. What if, you know, their, their, their projector doesn't work. And I call my mom who lived in Houston. I call her and I'm like, mom, I need to go buy a projector because I was broke. Right. And my mom said, okay, she, went and paid for a projector at Best Buy. And I went and picked that in Houston and I went and picked up the projector uh, here in Atlanta. 
And so worked it out, figured out how to use it, et cetera. And then, you know, the next morning went for my meeting. It was at 8 a.m. So I get to the place and the controller welcomed me in and she shows me the conference room where we're going to be operating out of. And she says, okay, this is where how you plug in your laptop, et cetera. And then she he's this heavy silent. Oh no, you know, we just had this new projector hooked up and I don't know how to operate it. And our IT guy doesn't get here until 9 a.m. <laughs> right? And I go, oh, that's okay. Casually, oh, that's okay. I have a projector with me. And the CEO looks at me and goes, you have a projector? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, always be the brick. And he's like, huh. And I honestly believe I landed this client yes. because of that, like even before giving the demo, right? Come so, on. So that was, Fantastic. Uh, like, uh, that's the story of this check. Anyway. God, that's a takeaway right there. Uh, I'm sure for so many listening, that situation to always be prepared, man, that's amazing. Uh, my question is, you know, and anytime we, we reflect back on something, uh, stories uh, sound shorter than they feel, right? So it's one, thing, <laughs> it's one thing to say, I left my job in 2010 and my first client was in 2013. People were like, oh, yeah, took a couple of years of R&D and whatever. It, I imagine it felt a lot longer in the living of it, right? Uh, and if it oh, didn't. Absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just curious at what that was emotionally and maybe psychologically like for you for those three years of pre-revenue when you kind of put everything on the line. Well, it's interesting. That's a great question. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I, I failed to answer your question initially. I did not quit my, my job to do this, right? Oh, okay. Uh, I was doing it while I was building the company while working. So I had two jobs, essentially, you know, working 90 hour weeks. I did not quit my job full time until 2015, right? Got uh, so, and I, and I did not do that on, you know, I didn't do that on my own accord. You talk about the psychological and emotional stress. Um, I got sick. I had, I, I got a stress induced illness, uh, autoimmune illness called myasthenia gravis, right? Wow. It affects your eyes and it gives you these piercing headaches. Imagine if you wear contacts or, or glasses, uh, you go out there and if you don't have your contacts or glasses, you know, how, how hard it is and those headaches that you get, I was getting these awful headaches and it was stress induced, right? So at that point I had to make a decision and say, okay, what, what am I going to do with my life? And I said, well, I'm having these headaches whenever I, I look at things. And so I can't really look at a computer screen anymore. Uh, and, and, but I can at least sell, mm. I can, I can still talk. And so that's why I decided that's what triggered my, my decision to uh, that's what triggered my decision to, to quit my job, my full-time job and do this full-time. And that point we went from having three clients to having 12. And when, when uh, I, I actually took a, a health leave of absence at first and we went from three clients to 12 clients. And that's what told me, okay, I can actually do this. And mm. so I quit my job full-time to do it. At that time, were you the only one involved with the company or did you already have a few people working on it with you? Uh, I hired the first employee in 2013. So, but he, he was a college student working part-time. Uh, and, and so I had a couple, I had about three or four people at the time mm. uh, when, I, when I went full-time. Man, I'm curious. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll circle back to the stress-related stuff later because I am curious just about the, your learning, your kind of learning curve and growth uh, of taking care of yourself and still being a high producer. Um, but I'm, I, I can't get away from the, the question of take me back to that, that first, your full time in there. 
was it a grind like most people experience? Was it just, oh man, we doubled every month and we've never looked back? Or was there a process of really having to figure out sales and really having to figure, you know, get your, your foot in the door in an industry? Uh, which one was it like for you? Well, I mean, it was, it was a grind in that, you know, uh, uh, it was a grind in that when we start, when I started, it was, it was, it was all about getting clients, right? It was all about getting demos, setting demos. And what I would do at the time is I would fly to every single demo. So I'd, I'd get a, I'd call someone and, be like, and once I convinced them to, to take a demo, right? Uh, I'd, I'd hang up, celebrate that, call them the next day and say, you know what? I'll actually be in the Dallas area tomorrow. Uh, so next week. So, you know, would you like to do this in person? And they'll always say yes. And so that way, I mean, that because I was so passionate about it and I was, yeah. I was in front of them, when, when usually when you see someone filled with that kind of passion uh, and they know what they're talking about, once again, I had credibility. I'd been reading up on this thing for a year and a half and writing blogs, you know, then and they're right there in front of you. It's harder to say no, mm. <laughs> right? It's yeah. easier to make the sale. So, so we did that for the first 15 clients. Right. So it seemed like a grind to, to get back to your question. It seemed like a grind because I was always traveling. I remember mm. my record was 10, 10 cities in one week. And in that week was also Thanksgiving week. So you could, so Thursday and Friday must be her off. So I literally would fly to, I, I remember I say Dallas, I use Dallas because I flew to Dallas three times. I spent the night in Dallas, but I flew to Dallas three times uh, because I had, you know, three meetings there at different times, but I fly, I flew in had a meeting, flew out, had another meeting in another city, flew back to Dallas. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, hmm. uh, in, in three days. And so, so that was, that was the record I had, but, um, but yes, that seemed like a, that, that was the grind. Now, the, the, the thing that I did not have was enterprise sales experience, right? I had to go there because you know, that I was, they were almost buying me, right? right. Uh, right. the, the, their deal was, Hey, we want access to you. So, you know, the software is secondary. We had to transition from that mindset of selling to actually selling software, right? Uh, where we would do a, a, a demo online. And, and I couldn't do that, right? Because I just don't have any price sales. That's where Chris, our, our, our CRO, came in, right? Chris was my, my roommate from college. And, you know, he, he was part of that advisory board that I mentioned as well that I set up when, we, when I first decided to start this. And, uh, and so, you know, I would, you know, ask him questions about, I didn't know what an RFP was for God's sakes. <laughs> right. And, uh, I'd ask him questions as we, as we went through and, uh, and finally he came aboard and really built our, our sales engine. Right. Uh, which okay. is what catapulted, catapulted ourselves. Yeah. So initially it sounds like probably most businesses initially, the first business came in necessarily. So just straight from you. You hustling, yes. them buying you, but then you realize that was actually becoming a limitation on the business, that it needed to be Absolutely. able to scale beyond buying you. Uh, you've mentioned twice this advisory board, and I don't think we've actually had this conversation yet on the podcast, which I'm excited to. Can you tell me some of your thinking and story around your advisory board? Maybe it's role, why you have one, and just any of your thinking around advisory board. Well, you know, it, it, it evolves. Right. We, we, I still have an, an advisory board to this day uh, through this program called Endeavor. But one of the things we were bootstrapped and we didn't get any money from outside money. One of the beautiful things about bootstrapped is you have no one to answer to. Mm -hmm. Right. One of the bad things about being bootstrapped 
is you have no one to answer to. That's right. Right. So the advisory board, I mean, it, it kind of gives you this outside accountability, right? Hey, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, what, what are your plans? What, what, are, what have you done? What are you going to do? And how are you going to do it? And then, you know, we, when, they, when you come back to meet with them, did you say, did you do what you were going to do? And it's put, it puts this level of an accountability on yourself because once again, if you're a founder, CEO, early stages, I mean, it, sure, you, you're obviously motivated, right? But you also want to be held accountable. And that's what the advisory board does. It holds you accountable. And also, they also help when they can, right? Because as I said, our very first client, this check came because of a member of that advisory board. Right. And most of them are still here today. As I said, Chris, our CRO, who was part of the advisory board. Uh, our, our legal counsel, Andrew Jones, was part of the advisory board. Our, our accountants today, they were part of the advisory board. So they've been wow. with me since literally we were absolutely nothing. And now, you know, now they're still with us. So, yeah, I want to stay on this part because I think there's um, the overall concept is, is dynamite, right? Have an advisory board or have your, your board of directors and like you, you made the choice of like, I actually want that accountability, but dive into, you know, did you make any mistakes when, when assembling it? Or even maybe thinking about if you're speaking to other founders, how do they build an advisory board that really helps them? So conceptually, yes, I know I need to have it. Yes, I know I need the accountability, but how do they make sure that they find the right people for them? You know, what are they looking for? Not just a bunch of like, yes, you're doing great. You're building a fast growing company. Yeah. Good job. Like not cheerleaders, right? It's advisory board. Yeah. So Maybe most people understand it, but give us some some kind of wisdom or things that you learned along the way when, when building that group. Yeah, well, I mean, when I built the group, it was it, it, it wasn't, you know, I was I I already knew these people, yeah. right? So every single one of them I knew intimately, and so there were there were the people that I said, okay, these are the people in my network. They're the smartest people. You know, Chris was the smartest salesperson I knew, right? So I was like, okay, got to have him in there for sales. My brother's a patent attorney. I'm building a software company. I need, you know, IP uh, representation there. So my brother was part of the board. Uh, uh, Andrew Jones, who ended up being our general counsel, is one of the smartest attorneys I know, right? I mean, I'm going to be dealing with contracts with software companies. We needed someone with that expertise. At the time, he worked for Austin Bird, you know, so he was part of that advisory board. Tommy Lee was great at tax, you know, and, and obviously building a company, software company, you're going to need tax. Uh, tax help. So he was part of the board and he was the one that actually got us our first client. You know, uh, uh, Walter Bowles, who was a, a gentleman who had all, already built a software company at one point in his career, right? Walter was a, a part of that board. And guess what? Two of his kids now work for us, Russell Bowles and Rachel Hershberger. They, they, his, uh, Walter's son, Russell, was employee number one, right? He was the first person that we hired. And his daughter now works for us. And they are, I, I always say they're my right brain and my left brain, right? So, yeah. uh, well, both of them, right? So, so that, that's how valuable that advisory board was for me. But those are people that I, I had worked with in some capacity or I knew personally. And so I, I knew they were good, right? So if you look within your network, if you're seeking an advisory board, don't look for the fancy names or the people that, you know, you're like, oh my God, I don't know this person, but they're known in the region or, or whatever. No, you, you, you know people that are really good at what they do that could add value to you, right? You know them right now. And, that, and that's what matters. It's the fact that you know them and they will want to help. You know, mm. I, I, there was an email that I sent out. Uh, all I gave them was free pizza. And, and honestly, <laughs> I don't even, I, I know one time we didn't have pizza, 
<laughs> you know, yes. but, uh, but that's, that's, that's all it was. I, I, I asked them, Hey, I just want, I need you to commit to meeting at least once every two months and just taking random phone calls from me. And those random phone calls could come at any point of the night. Right. Uh, I mean, just random phone calls talking about it and then meeting every, you know, once every two months. And they were glad to help because these were people already that I knew intimately and I knew were good at what they did. That's so. fantastic, man. I love that. Uh, I want to fast forward just a little bit um, into a conversation that, that I think is uh, logical in what we've talked about. So follow me on this. You start off as an accountant, right? You yes. then have to move into a coding role to write the software and figure out the solution for the accounting work you want to do. You then had to move into a salesperson role to sell the software to the people that you're trying to help. And then that starts working and you now move into a CEO role, right? Where you're no longer just a solo person out there flying to Dallas to close a sale. You're now leading a company, right? Tell me about that. What kind of learning curve and transition uh, did you go through when now I've got a business and now I'm running the business maybe more so than just representing the product to the customer, right? What was that like for you? Well, I, I think uh, you, you mentioned something that I, I think I should clarify. A, I, the, the one, I did all those things, right, except for uh, programming. I am a non-technical founder, and so I did not program. And I think it's a very important point to make to, to founders out there that are really in the early stages and wanting to build something. There's this challenge that you need a technical co-founder, right? You do sometimes, but I did not get one. I did not get a, a technical co-founder. I, I uh, what I did was, as I said, I put money into my 401k and, and decided to hire a company to help me build it, mm. right? And I think that, honestly, I think that was the, that was the you know, luckiest thing that ever happened to me was, was it, and once again, this came from my, one of the members of the advisory, right? My brother, who had built software before. He said, you know, don't go with an individual. With an individual, this project will be like a gig, them. There's a difference between a gig and a job. And if this is your baby, you don't want someone, uh, uh, an individual who sees it as a gig, right? Mm. Uh, you want someone who this is their job, right? Because if, obviously you're probably going to negotiate on the gig, right? Uh, with, with an individual, if you chose to choose an individual and you decide to pay them 50 bucks an hour, let's say, well, if this person's working on your gig, they probably have three or four more gigs out there. And if they have a gig that's paying them $100 an hour and another one that's paying $120 per hour, guess where your gig is going to fall in, in terms of their priority, right? It's not going right, to be high. Right. So you, you go with someone, with a, with a company, where the company, you tell the company, and, and it's still outsourced, but the company I found was in India. Uh, it was, I, 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 I wrote out the requirements, right? Of very, very, I mean, it was, it was very detailed, the requirements that I wrote out and gave it to them and asked them, hey, how much would it cost you to build this entire thing? And they said this amount, broke it up into the, uh, different uh, uh, phases. And I was paying them, you know, just getting loans from my 401k to, to pay them for those, uh, for those periods. The reason that was important was whenever they were messing up, right? The, the gentleman who built this uh, at the beginning was is called Mahesh, right? Whenever Mahesh didn't, uh, wasn't delivering, I would scream at the, the CEO or his boss, and then he would, you know, perk up, right? So it kept him accountable because <laughs> yes. that was his job. Yes. You know, and, I mean, this is a real story because Mahesh still works for us today. Yes. Right? Uh, he, he, after, after, he left the pro, after he left the company, 
we waited obviously for the two years for the non-compete and then hired him right back up. Wow. Well, okay. So before I, uh, if you allow me a question before we get to the initial question I asked you, which is about sure. leading people. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. This is how I want this to go. This is great. Uh, what you just mentioned, I would consider uh, a, a form of leverage, right? That you looked for something that you could either do yourself and go through the whole painful process of learning to code, or you could find the right person yeah. who helps you do it better, faster, more yeah. effectively, that kind of thing. That's, that's what I would consider leverage, right? Um, yes. Are there other examples that come to mind in your business and in the growth that's experienced that was some critical leverage that you or somebody else helped you see that, man, really saved you time? Maybe it didn't save you money at first because you had to pay for it, right? But it, it just really, it was a great move to use that leverage. Absolutely. I think, I think bringing aboard Russell Bowles was probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Uh, I brought, Russell started working for us as a, as a uh, part-time summer. It was a summer, uh, it was a summer job in 2013, right? So he would come and we would meet at the Barnes and Noble or the Starbucks and we would just work together the whole day, right? But during, during the summer. So he helped me build the software, that MVP. Now that means he had an intimate knowledge of how it worked, mm. right? So now when I got our first clients, I trusted Russell and completely to be able to onboard them and get them to success. So that way I could go sell, 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 sell. And Russell could on, once I closed the deal, transfer them to Russell. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so that was that, that we talk about leverage, right? Realizing that, that I couldn't do best, uh, the best I could afford to go sell, sell, sell because I had Russell, uh, and he had, he knew exactly how to onboard the clients, how to get them using the software. And he knew how to answer all their questions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Team, team is always the best leverage, right? Where you, uh, you, if you want to go fast, you go alone. Like the African proverb says, if you want to go far, you go together. And <laughs> we, we've experienced the same thing where in this year alone, adding team members to Jordan and I's young business, uh, just increases the capacity for you to deliver quality service. Right. Um, Absolutely. so yeah, tell me about that. When you are now seeing this as a company, not just a software that you're realizing, man, I'm starting to make hires. I'm starting to bring people in and this is their thing. Now, did you have in mind, uh, things like the culture you wanted to create? Did you have in mind the kind of people you wanted to bring on board, those kinds of things? Tell me about that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I definitely knew the culture that I wanted you know, uh, we, we wanted to be scrappy. We wanted to be fast. Those are actually things that are still in our, in our core values. But then there are things that you just don't see and you just don't understand, right? Uh, I just think one of them was, you know, I, as I said, Chris, uh, our CRO, he joined us, uh, I guess, in two, he's been with us since, you know, uh, as, a, as an advisor, but he officially joined, I guess, in 2016 slash seven, uh, uh, 2016 was when he really fully was, was, you know, in there with us. And, uh, and, and one of the things, my dreams was, Hey, we would be a work from home company, right? Everyone will work from home. And then in Christmas, we would take a cruise and go to the Bahamas and stay there for two weeks. Right. Yes. And I mean, we'll still be, we'll still be working, but, um, but we'll be working from the Bahamas with your family, which is cool. So, so that rather than have that expense of, you know, having an office, Right. right. Uh, we, we do that for our employees at the end of the wow. year. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite work right? that way. There, yeah, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting now because of COVID and we've, we've, you know, we've, we've evolved, uh, as a, as a, as a company now, but you know, there, there I mean, there's something about an SDR sitting there making calls, right. And having that energy kind of like, you know, the boiler room, right. Yeah, that movie yeah. where everyone's just kind of together and that, that you have that high energy sales and, you know, you have people just, you know, the, the one thing about the the culture also that we're building is we, we, we try to hire people that we want to be around, right? People yeah. that, that, are, that are fun, people that are smart, people that like teamwork, accountability, hard work, you know, uh, people who have drive and a sense of, of commitment. I mean, these are literally our values. Right. And we try to hire people that, that reflect those values. And so, I mean, I'm telling you, the bad thing for COVID, what, how this has affected me, is I don't get to see, you know, Shannon and, and Chris and Joe. I mean, I talk to them on the phone every day, but I don't get to see them. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, 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 and I think, honestly, that's a testament to the team. Right. Because I want to see everybody. I want to go there and, 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 be around the, the people that we've brought along, right? And, and, and the fact, it hurts that we can't do that, which, as I said, in a roundabout way is a testament to, to the kind of company that we've built. Yeah, absolutely. Just to go down that rabbit trail for a second, because I do think the impact of, you know, company cultures that didn't even have any work from home, didn't even have any kind of work for a work remote type of, of structure, you know, they're really getting flipped upside down. But what things, I mean, we're, we're now quite a few months in, with, have you guys implemented anything creatively to try to get, you know, that, that sales culture going again or anything to, to tap into any kind of the cultural elements to go, gosh, we're dispersed now, but you know what, we've kind of done this. This is not nearly as good at being in person, but it's pretty good. Uh, any creative things like that that you've, you've done or, or have you at least tried to practice to see if it would work? Well, now what we've done, you know, uh, uh, some things that we do now that we didn't do before is we have yeah. an end of end of week every week we have an end of week leadership call uh, where all the leaders get get together and you know like pick through. I mean, nor I mean, and we make it. We try to make it fun. Yeah. Uh, the person that leads it is not the person that actually leads that call is not uh, is not an, an executive, right? He's a manager, but he's he's not an executive, right? And he does things like puts a timer on. We, that that free willing, you know, uh, you know, he has the ability to do with the leadership meeting, which whatever he wants, right? And then that that is actually a big part of our management thesis, right? Is we let our managers manage, right? Uh, we don't we they they make their own decisions, right? Because then we can that that's the only way you can hold them accountable is if they make the decisions. Right, as opposed to you micromanaging. So, so that's one of the things that we've insinuate, uh, we've we've instituted. Uh, we also have town halls, pretty. Uh, I guess I'd say at least once a month. Uh, we have we have a town hall where it's a Zoom call, and this is honestly this, that's how I have this set up. I normally stand up and and do it because I feel like my energy is much better when when I do that. Which you know I think I'll do, I'll stand up now. Um, but uh, but we we have these. You know, we, we have the, 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 the town halls where it's on video. I'm on video talking to everyone. And I always like to unmute them rather than, rather than the, just to hear their voices, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, just yeah. to hear everyone's voice. 
I, I prefer I prefer uh, I prefer that. Uh, we also have a newsletter that that comes out, uh, and also about once every three weeks, uh, the, where we give updates on the company. We we highlight employ, an employee. Another thing that we do is when we onboard brand new employees, now we have them make a video of themselves, uh, introducing themselves to the company, uh, so that people can see what they look like. Mm. Right. So, so those are the things that we're doing uh, to to kind of, you know, in this po- uh, po- well, I don't know if we're post COVID, but in this COVID world, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, to help. We're out for our honeymoon stage at least. We had our honeymoon yeah. stage with COVID. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I know that uh, we're, we're really close to it. Maybe uh, I think Drew might even talk about some specific questions around stress, but I wanted to bring that up because, you know, reviewing your background, you know, wanting to be this, the, the CEO who doesn't do everything is, is brilliant. You know, we're, what you've learned about yeah. delegation through forced circumstances, I think is great. I almost had this curiosity around, um, you know, everybody likes the thought of like, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to delegate it out. But a lot of reasons we don't at times is because we want to grab a hold of things. In fact, we're we're insecure yeah. and like ah, it's better if I do that. Like, where are are the places in the business that if you're going to go and end up micromanaging something or grabbing something and not delegate it out, where are or where were those places? And what did you learn to do to like make sure that you you really do release it? You really do let the managers manage. Uh, I'd be curious if you had a learning curve while you did that, or if the circumstances and kind of the stress induced illness actually just made you you operate differently immediately um, how was that well, journey yeah well that's, that's a loaded question i'll start yeah. with the delegation part right um and 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 why i believe in the the, the mantra of let your managers manage let them make the decisions and let yeah. everybody else know let everybody else know that your manager your manager speak for you yeah right you should you should never you, you know you should never undermine them right uh, and I'll tell you, you know, a, a couple of lessons that I, I learned there. So, so the first one is sales, right? When Chris came aboard, uh, he, we went for, to pitch, he asked for everyone I've spoken to, every single person I've spoken to, every single individual. And he, you know, I didn't have a CRM or anything. Or even, I didn't even have an Excel spreadsheet. So I was just forwarding him things I remembered. But one of them was this huge company out of uh, Dallas. And, and he, he sent he, you know, he's, he re-engaged with the individual, uh, talked to them, and, you know, he was like, and, and I remember at the time, uh, what I was going to charge them was, was, you know, laughable, right? And Chris said, George, I'm going to charge them, I'm going to charge them three times what your initial, what you, what you, you thought, and, and I'm going to get it up front. Yes. I said, Chris. <laughs> If you do that, if you do that, I will feed all sales to you. You will have final say when it comes to sales. Chris has final say when it comes to sales. <laughs> Let's go, Chris. <laughs> right? He literally made them pay three years up front, right? For the, and and three, at three times what I was going to charge them. Goodness. Right? And so, so that's why we've been able to grow so, so quickly. Uh, is because, you know, Chris, I mean, he's done this, he's lived this life, right? And so my point is, how can I, you know, even though I'm the founder CEO, tell Chris how to sell? Hmm. That's ludicrous. That's not what I do. That's what he does, right? And so, so my point is, he is the best person to make these decisions because that's what he does, right? Hmm. And so I can't, anything, 
if I try to check him on that, then that's just my ego speaking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's one example. Now uh-huh. I'll tell you one time when I, when I did override him, what happened? Uh, we, there was this client that Chris was like, this is going to be, a, this, guy, this client is going to be a pain in the ass. You don't want to deal with him. Uh, you don't want to like, it's, it's going to be bad. Right. And I was like, at the time, obviously as a founder, you know, my, Hey, get, a, get money in, you know, cash in is always good. Cash in is always good. Let's just compromise and let's get him in. You know, so I said, let's do it. So Chris said, okay, you know, um, we'll, we'll bring him in. So that's the first mistake, right? Didn't listen to Chris there. We did. Lots of, you know, trouble began. Literally with a quarter in, trouble wow. began, right? And, and Chris was trying to navigate it. And the, guy, the gentleman said, the CEO said, ah, that's okay. I'll just go straight to George. I'll just go to George, right? And he came to me with the issue. And I was like, uh, okay, let's be flexible, right? So I overread again, and, yeah. we, and the guy said, okay. So Chris pulls me aside and he's like, George, I'm going to go with what you said, but understand that you are undermining me when you make decisions like this. That's the first thing. Uh, now, any issue he has, he will come to you. Yeah. Any other issue he has, he'll come to you. And I was like, nah, there's no way. Sure enough, another <laughs> issue came he came directly to me. Yeah. So now what happens in that scenario is, is have I really delegated sales out? No. Right? Yeah. I mean, no, because he's still coming to me, right? Yeah. So he needs to know, he needed to know that Chris was here. Chris speaks for me. Mm. And so from that point on, I actually blocked the guy. And guess what? They're not even a client anymore. So all that trouble that we went through, I mean, that was churn that, you know how, when you look at churn, controllable churn and uncontrollable churn, we ended up firing them. Yeah. We, we ended up firing them. So my point is Chris was right, right all along. So I've learned that lesson. Let your managers manage. Happened in hiring Russell, Russell. I just specifically remember this, uh, this, this individual, uh, she came into interview, came into interview and Russell, you know, Russell was the one interviewing because she was going to be working for him. And he said, no, nah, we're going to pass on her. And I happened to get in the elevator with her and had a pretty decent conversation with her in the elevator. And, you know, I got a card from her that said, you know, thank you so much for this, you know, for giving me the opportunity to interview. I was like, this person seems great. You know, Russell, you should hire her. He goes, okay. He hires her. Obviously didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. know? So whose fault, whose fault is that? Yeah, you know, yeah. so at the end of it, so, so, so when I say, you know, let your managers manage, uh, let them make their, their own decisions, you know, um, that is, yeah. that, that, that's, that's really how you truly delegate. And no matter how strong it is, resist the urge to override them. Ah, it's you know? so good. Cannot tell you how many conversations we've been in like that, where that is what we're hoping uh, the, the CEO hears. And it's amazing to hear that you have. Uh, so this leads me to two questions. The first one is, um, can you share Chris? Is he available and, and can we have him? Uh, I'm assuming Absolutely the answer is no. Not. Okay, fair enough. In hey. fact, in fact his, his name is Jerome, not Chris anymore. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, right. Uh, so, hey, I, I heard you never get if you don't ask, so I thought I'd ask. Uh, yeah. Number two uh, it makes me think of, you know, a phrase we use often. We borrowed it from language from like EOS and stuff like that. But 
to, to you, you delegate in order to elevate that people should be moving towards their unique ability and leveraging that for the company. And I'm curious about yours. You've, you've articulately gave a, a well-deserved credit, I'm sure, to key members of your team, and there's others I know. Uh, but what about you? As you do a self-estimation of yourself, what do you feel like is your unique ability that people need to defer to you on that you get to bring as like a superpower to the organization? Uh, so, you know, I, I, so, so I'll, I'll tell you, that, that's, a, that's a very heavy question and, and a very good one. Um, about, about a year, a year ago, yes, exactly a year ago, exactly a year ago, I was, I was in, in Paris for, a for, uh, fashion week. What? No, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I was Got in Paris him. for a, a personal, personal, uh, uh, it was a wedding, right? Family member's wedding. And, and at the exact same time, we decided to open an office in Birmingham, right? And so, in, so, so that office opening, the actual opening occurred while I was in Paris. And I remember, and I was so pissed off. I was literally at the Eiffel Tower and I fired off this email to the management team saying, what the hell, right? You didn't think this <laughs> opening this office was important enough for me to be there, right? And so, you know, I it like, you know, Chris responds, he's like, this is my bad. You know, like I, I, uh, I just, you always say speed, 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 go fast, fast, fast. So I figured, you know, you'd want us to just go ahead with it. Right. So that night I, 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 I slept and I woke up the next day and I was like, you know what, George, do you understand what just happened? We scouted locations. We, all I said was, ah, let's open an office in Birmingham. That's literally my contribution, right? That was it. We scouted locations, spoke to the mayor, hired people, found a, signed a lease, and we were able to open an office without me doing a damn thing. Mm. Right? Is it? I was like, would you, would you prefer the alternative? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I literally did not do a thing. So I was like, wow, this is great. That means we have built something here, right? A great management team that can execute without me being there. Hmm. But it also now set in, well, damn, George, are, are you the right person to be leading this company? Right. That, that insecurity now creeped in. Like, what is mm -hmm. your true value to the mm. company? What is it that you do best? Right. I mean, because it's not running the company, really. It's really not. The person who runs the people who really run this company, Joe and Chris, right? Joe operations, Chris and sales. Right. Those are the people who really are managing day to day right? Doing all the one-on-ones one -on -ones and everything. So this doubt came in, like, okay, what, what do you do? And I, I discovered it when I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go listening to customers, right? And I went, like, that was literally my role then, is going around and listening to customers. Mm. Started listening to them, and they told us, you know, different things that they were facing. And that's when I was like, wow, this is what, this is what I need to be doing, which is figuring out the vision, the next thing. That's right. Right. Right now we are one product company. Well, we now have three products, but you know, we have lease guru, we have lease uh, manager and we have lease query, obviously. But now we've heard from our customers and we keep hearing from our customers and what we're here, what we're hearing are things, all the problems that we can be solving. So we as a company have evolved because of that. 
right? Our mission is to make accountants' lives easier using software, hmm. right? And I, as a previous accountant, know exactly where the pain lies. That's what happened. That, that's how I've evolved. That's how that's my it. role has evolved, right? Is, okay, what's the next thing? Let's, let's, you know, let's not go to where the puck is. Where's the puck going, right? And let's get there first before our competitors do or any other competitors, right? Come on. Because guess what? We are the only ones that were founded by accountants and are obsessed with the problem. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm glad you arrived at that. If not, I was going to help you. I'd written down on my notes, visionary <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> if this guy doesn't know the answer, I'm going to give it to him, right? That's your role. That's and that's you, you've done um, what many visionaries have failed to do, which is allow someone else to execute on their vision and work out a healthy relationship where you bring the best of what a visionary can bring and they bring the best of what an execution team can bring and mitigate. Absolutely. We never eliminate, but we try to mitigate uh, the, the maybe weaknesses or blind spots of the different kind of personalities, right? And Absolutely. again, Absolutely. never assume anything's perfect, but it sounds healthy and that's the best you can ask for. And I'm just curious, yeah. we've had many founders on here uh, who have represented both sides. And uh, especially when we're talking to the visionaries, they always have people, if they're successful and they're a visionary, they have people like you that they just can't stop singing their praises that represent maybe a different skill set, like your sales leader, like your, your you know, yeah. people in charge of operations. And I just want to ask about that, uh, not in terms of delegation, like we already got into and in role specifics, but about relationship cultivation. What has that been like to cultivate those relationships where they don't feel like to you, like people that are always kind of bursting your balloon every time you bring a big idea or you get passionate about something? And what does it look like for you to try to communicate in a way that doesn't scare everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, it's funny. You know, I always say that, you know, I, Chris is, Chris, um, we're college roommates, you know, and everything. But I'm like, this guy will never, ever, he will always pour cold water on anything that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right because he's always thinking i mean which which i, I get it now you know it's yeah. because he's always thinking about the no he's trying to protect you yeah he, well not not protect me but he's he's thinking about the no because he's a salesperson so all he's thinking uh -huh. about is rebuttals how do i overcome these rebuttals so he will always come in and talk about the rebuttals right that's the first thing he sees is the no Right. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't care about that. Right. Like, like, like let's just, just build this. <laughs> right. And so, but it's healthy because a guy like me gets excited about everything. Everything excites me. I am a shiny object guy. Oh, we could build that. We could build that. That should take us, come on. That should take us two weeks. Right. Yes. Like, yes. why are we sticking around? That should take us two weeks. You know, and, and, and he's like, uh, okay, well, no, no, let's think about this process wise. You know, and the irony is, the irony is, I'm the accountant. So I should be the very, right. you know, mellow, the conservative, the, you know, and I'm the crazy one that's very disorganized. Chris, on the other hand, is a sales guy. He should be the irrational, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Right? He should be that guy. But yet he's a very meticulous, very process-oriented guy. Right? Yeah. So I think that's why, I, I really think that's why we, we work well together. Right, yeah. because because we blend the best of our of you know, no one likes a creative accountant, right? There's a reason that there's not a lot of accountants that start companies, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so 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 I have that, and Chris is the 
sale, the process-oriented salesperson, which you never really find, right? Mm-hmm. So, so these two gems kind of found each other, and, and I think that really built to our, our success, that teamwork you talk about. Yeah. We get on a call, uh, me, Chris, and Joe, literally every day at 4.30. So when you see me move my screen up, that's because the reminder for the 4.30 meeting, it's 4.30 here in Atlanta, the reminder has popped up. So that's me moving Sorry, it Sorry, Chris you know, and Joe. Meeting today. <laughs> Not know? today, but, fellas. Um, <laughs> but we talk literally, literally every single day at 4.30, we have a rundown. Right. So that way we are all together. Right. And I got to say this, whenever, you know, we have some spirited conversations, it's funny since Joe has come, Chris and I haven't had like a clash. Right. Uh, But like we would, Chris and I would clash about like, okay, this is how I feel. This should go. This is how we feel. We should go. And we would, you know, people would think we're fighting. It's funny. I I remember Rachel uh, was once on the call (laughs) when Chris and I were like hammering out some things. And they were looking at each other like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? And we have to reassure them that, no, 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 this is how we operate, right? Uh, but once we get our ideas and we make a decision and say, okay, this is what we're doing, that's it, right? That's what we're doing, right? And, uh, and, and honestly, I could not – that is – you talk about the proudest thing. It's just the team, right? Yeah. Our, our team, everybody on our team. We're having an accounting summit uh, that starts on Wednesday. And, you know, Shannon, who you've met, Karen, and – I mean, that team, they have, I mean, they, what they have done, what they have accomplished to do, we have about, you know, I, I believe right now the number is about six or 700 people that are registered to attend this thing, right? And that goes to the efforts of, of our marketing department and our channel sales with Casey, right? So, so I, I mean, I, I just cannot, I know people always talk about how lucky they are in, you know, the, the team building, you know, and, and, I, as an outsider before, would always say, oh, yeah, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you're just saying that, right, because yeah. it's the right thing to say, and you think you're the shit, right? I can honestly say 100%, no way we are where we are today without our people. It is, I mean, it, no way. Come on. No way. Come on. Man, the more I hear healthy visionaries who have connected with healthy uh, people around them, I feel like I've answered a question, right? Have you ever heard the question, what happens when you, when you have a, an unstoppable force uh, meet an unmovable object, right? It's like a famous physics yeah. question. I think the answer is they start, they start a successful company. That's what happens, right? Yeah, the visionary who is this unstoppable force, and then you have the CFO, the CMO, you have people like that that feel like an immovable object. And if those things collide in a healthy way, they actually end up turning that, that energy into a successful company, right? And so Absolutely. I, maybe my wrap-up question for that line of talk or that line of uh, conversation would just be for you personally, as a visionary type who's probably got 20 new ideas a day and you recognize the shiny object syndrome, uh, yeah. what have you learned that has helped you uh, still be a creative person yet filter out the things that would be distractions so that you can get really passionate behind the ideas that you think are actually really good for the company. Okay. Uh, that's actually pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward response for you there. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, right? Just because you can't do it doesn't mean you should. Now, the question obviously is, well, how do you make that determination of what you should do 
and what you shouldn't do. Yes. And I think we I think we landed on that uh, as a company because we started a, a group like literally. I mean, we we started a group called Least Query Labs, right? And Least Query Labs, the idea there is to ideate, create, and innovate. So their job is to look for shiny objects, right? And, and that's a big part of what I'm doing, right? I'm, that a big part, like seventy percent of my time is on Least Query Labs. Yes. Right. So so. How do you answer the question of what you should do versus what you do shouldn't, right? And here's what we've landed at as a, as a company. Are we the best people to do it, right? Is it in our core competencies? We actually have a, a scoring system where we, I, we, we score all the ideas. And we score them on TAM, how big is the market, right? We score them on, okay, what, how difficult is a problem is this to solve, mm-hmm. right? But thirdly, and the most important one is, what are what is in our DNA, our makeup, that makes us the best people to solve this problem? Wow! Right. So, so, the, so that's how we filter out all the all the the, the you know bad ideas or the shine. I wouldn't even call them bad ideas because what's a bad idea for us may be a great idea for another company. Right, right. Right. And so, so, so for us, it's just about are we the best people to solve this problem and why. If we can answer that question in the positive, then it's an idea that we absolutely go for. I love that. Uh, do you, when you go for them, do you test them out? Do you prototype them? Uh, what's your way about going about testing, or do you just go to launch and essentially well, the customers are the one testing it? No, we we talk to a lot of customers. First of all, I mean, we get the ideas from the customers, right? Yeah. Uh, we ask them, hey, what are the problems that you're facing? You know, what what tools are you using now that you feel could be better? Right. Yep. Uh, I mean, we literally just go through an interview process, and then when we find okay, this is a problem that we found, then we 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 you know 98. we have twelve twelve hundred customers right now. So we put out a survey and we say, hey, how many of y'all would how many of you guys have this problem, right? And can we talk to you? And then we go talk to them about that problem. And when you know we say, okay, you know these people would use it. It sounds like this is a big problem for them. We analyze the TAM. How many other customers are there, right? Of those twelve hundred customers that we have. Or are they all in retail? Or are they all in manufacturing? You know, it's yep. just so what kind of verticals have this problem and how big a problem is it? Right. Yeah. So that's how we go through just asking these questions and evaluating these ideas. Uh, and we're, lo- we're lucky enough to have a pretty wide network of customers where we, we can start, at least start with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, changing gears just a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Endeavor earlier on talking about advisory board. Uh, one of yeah. our, our very first interview that we released our podcast was uh, Todd Early, and he's become a connection and a friend. And we were doing our research right yeah. up on one of your blogs. And I think it was a little over a year ago, Todd came in and, and spoke with the team. But I'd love it just because we have kind of common founders who are, are connected. Uh, yeah. What's the biggest lesson that you learned from him? Or how has he kind of spoken into your team? Or what, what were you looking for in terms of a contribution uh, from him? So, so uh, pre-COVID, and I guess we could certainly do it now. We, I, I think we last did it with, uh, with Lynn from, from Cardalytics. Uh, yeah. What we do is we, we try to get once a quarter, we try to get someone to come and tell their story, a founder to come and tell their story, right? Uh, and, and, and the idea behind that is I want, you know, what do I want? from Lee Square, the ultimate goal, right? I would love us to be the PayPal mafia. As in, 
you, you know, remember PayPal, you know, Elon Musk and Peter oh, Thiel yeah. and all those guys that, you know, the, the um, uh, what's his name from LinkedIn? You know, you, 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 these, they all started at PayPal, PayPal. exited yeah. that and then went in. And people remember them for the things they did now without remembering that they were actually, the, the one link they had was PayPal, right? That's what I would love for Lee Squared. I would love a lot of people to go out there and say, you know what? I can do this, right? I can go build my own company. I can actually do this and be successful at it. And so the idea behind having people like Todd and people like Tope uh, from Calendly come in and Lynn from Cardalytics and who else have we had? Uh, we had Emily White, uh, who was one of the earliest employees at Facebook and Instagram and was what the CEO of Snap, right? Wow. So, so all these, we, we have all these people coming in to tell the story so that our people can see that, hey, these are normal people too, right? If they can do it, why can't I, right? So yeah. to inspire them and also to also, I mean, this is, once again, we, we always talk about, I think companies make a mistake when they focus on their employees as what can they do for me, as opposed to how can we empower you to be the best you possible, right? Because yeah. if we do that, that helps us. You always win. So we will always, we, we, you always win, right? So yeah. we will always focus on our employees. So that's why we did that. And, and, yeah. and you know, I, I think it's about time that we should do another one. We, the last one, as I said, we did was with Lynn uh, from Cardalytics. And so we, should, we need to have another speaker here soon. Nice. Um, that's awesome. Uh, curious question around, like, uh, I guess it's almost like uh, when you're going for your own personal development, I was just thinking about you getting your own personal inspiration. So you're bringing that in for yes. the company, but like, where do you, where do you go? What are you reading right now? Um, where do you go to get your own inspiration? Uh, I guess in your role as a CEO or just as a human being, either one, uh, I think is satisfactory answer. Well, I think, I mean, what I try to do is connect with other founders, right? Um, and it's funny, you, you, I remember what the, when I started, you know, being a part of the CEO network here in Atlanta, I would uh, I would meet with all these CEOs and and I you know ask them different questions about their companies and a shocking amount of them would say oh I don't know I don't know I don't know how we handle that I don't know how handle and I remember I'd go back to Chris and be like these CEOs like what the hell are they doing like I don't <laughs> I don't understand how they don't know, <laughs> they don't know <laughs> you know you know they don't know anything like what are, you know what do they know and then it would get more, it would be worrisome to me because then I'm like. What? You know, what are they spending their time on that I'm not doing? Because I, I know all the answers to, to how we operate. And that comes back to the delegation piece, yeah. right? The things that, the, you know, you do the things that only you can do. So my point is this was earlier when I, I really, you know, was doing a lot, right? And now we're focused on, you know, strategy and, and product and vision. And, and that's a very, very different thing, right? So, so, so connecting with other CEOs, uh, which is, which, you know, we get through the Endeavor network, you know, Atlanta has a bunch of groups that, that you can join. Um, so there's a lot of people that are willing to share their experiences and uh, as CEOs, and that's really what, you know, what drives me. I love that. That's awesome. Is there anything in particular um, that you're noodling on right now? A concept, a business <laughs> philosophy, a personal challenge. What, what's it got your uh, brain well, right I now? I mean, there's, there's, oh, there's a lot of my brain you right now. You got to pull out there's, something there's, shiny. 
I mean, something's shiny. No, no, no. Two, two big things are going on, and uh, I can't, I can't talk about it. But I really can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, two, two big things. Are you sure? Is that why Shannon's really here? Is that why Shannon's listening in to make sure? You don't <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't um, pop off something. It's like no, you know, you gotta cancel that. Yes, uh, full edit privileges. Um, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Fantastic. but there are there are big, you know, two two big major things that we're working on that you know uh, are sure to move the industry. Okay, well, I'll ask you a fair question then, one that I, I think you can share about. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before we don't, before we jump into the lightning round, I know we're coming up on time, so we'll do that right after this. Uh, but my question is, you know, back to the the health scare, I guess that you had, and. The, likely the subsequent reality of, man, I've, I've got to figure out a better way to relate to stress. Um, man, what, what have you learned? What have you put into practice that has been helpful for you to still carry a lot of responsibility and build, you know, a big successful company that likes to move fast, yet you don't have piercing pain in your eyes, I'm assuming, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. So can you give us any insight? Uh, because that is obviously a global phenomenon, especially now with even more reasons to be stressed. What are just a few things yeah. that you think would uh, help people like us? Well, I mean, for me, what this was actually kind of a good thing because I probably would have died from the stress, right? So whenever, whenever my stress levels get up, I know that, listen, George, your life depends on this, right? Mm. This is literally your life. You need to calm the, the F down. I don't know. You're good. Yeah, I don't know I'm blowing the, the f bomb here, but you know <laughs> you need to <laughs> you need to calm the f down, right? Yeah. And 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 get your let other people worry about that, right? Yeah. It's not the it's not the end of the world, right? Um, we're not saving lives here, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, uh, it's lease accounting, right? I mean, obviously it's 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 crazy important. Right. I mean, I always tell our, our people, listen, if our software doesn't work, someone's getting fired. Right. I yeah. mean, it's this is this is this is it's critical. It's not critical software except when it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so our software is not critical except when it is. And 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 when it is and if it doesn't work, uh, someone's getting fired. Whoever chose us. You know, I remember when we talked to one of our very, very large clients and uh and she said, you know what, George, we just don't know who you are. You're so small, right? You're so small. Uh, I could hire IBM and they, cause IBM is a competitor. They have a competitive product. I could hire IBM. And if it doesn't work, eh, I chose IBM. Right. Right. <laughs> right. If I hire you and just one thing doesn't work, that could be a problem. Because mm, yeah. Why the hell did I choose you? Right. So that has always stuck in my head, which means that we have to be perfect. We have to be better than IBM. We have to be better than our competitor out there. That's a publicly traded company. Mm. We must be better. Yeah. Right? And so, so that stress, putting yeah. that stress on ourselves, on ourselves, where you test everything every day, you test and test and test and iterate and, and read to make sure we're doing what the guidance says we're doing. You know, that, that takes a toll. So how do I manage that? Right. Uh, the way I manage that is, is in the mindset, right. As in, Hey, I am going to do my best. Mm. Right. And guess what? 
your best is always good enough. Hmm. Right? Yep, your yeah. best is always good enough because it's your best. <laughs> right? Yeah. A lot of people say your best is never good. Like your best is always good enough. So as long as I can say, you know what? I did my job today to the best of my ability. Sleep. Yeah. Mm. Get your, your eight hours. Go get your eight hours of sleep. Mm, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so I, I, I always see entrepreneurs go in, you know, grind, grind, yeah. grind. Cause I, I used to be that guy, grind, 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 grind. And I'm like, you know, if you're not, your health is your wealth. You know, the way I look at one, oh, crazy story. When Steve Jobs died, right? When he died, I was, that's when I was literally in my crazy grind. Wow. You know, and I remember the person who actually told me she, he died was my mom. You know, she called me and she was like, you know, Steve Jobs died. It's like, oh my God. And I was like a travesty, right? And a day of great sadness. And I thought to myself, you know, Steve Jobs was worth about $11 billion. Billion would it be? And I go, you know what? How much of that money would he give up to live for just one more year? Mm, yeah. Yeah. For just one more year, how much would he give? You know, mm-hmm. so, so my point at the end of the day is, I'm, you know, we're striving, striving for this ultimate thing when, you know, we should never compromise our health. You know, do you know, you, have you ever heard the expression health is wealth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So do you know where that comes from? No. Right. Okay. So, so if I were to ask you, okay. How much would you give me for your vision, for your eyes? Just for your eyes, right? I'll give you this amount of money and you will go blind for the rest of your life. How much would you give me? Zero. I mean, I'm sure, that, I'm sure there's a price. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, for some people, there's a price. Yeah. Is, is it, is, so let's, let's play this game. Is it a million dollars? No. The... Is it 10? Jordan's thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. No, that's probably higher than that. <laughs> to me, it's, it's the thought of everyone, everyone that I care about, I have to be able to financially take care of. That's the, the Exactly, thought. right? So, so maybe a billion dollars. Yeah. Right? And then, okay, so, so, so start with there, right? So a billion dollars, just your sight, right? Now, who is the closest person to you? My wife and kids. My wife. Your wife and kids. Your wife. So now, if I said, how much would I give you for you to never see your wife again? How much would that be? I don't think you'd give right? me a number. So, so <laughs> see, the point is, we are walking around, and we have, we are billionaires already. Mm. Right? I mean, mm. that's, that's the point. We are already billionaires because we have these things that we cannot, even if we try to, you cannot put a price on. Wow. Right? Wow, so yeah. why, why take away from that? Why work and work to get myasthenia gravis that literally affects your eyes? <laughs> the site that you just said can't put a billion dollars on, guess what? You're risking that. Wow. Man, you walked me into that bomb. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, so, that's, I, so that's why, you know, the stress should be, you know, you should monitor your stress. Yeah, because your health is wealth. Yeah, so I, I absolutely love it personally. Like what I just received from it is like, thank you, George. But I'm also like all the way back to the beginning where you talked about, hey, our stuff doesn't save lives. That's probably where the 
place where I'd push it. You go, you don't know whose life it's saved because in the accounting world, it is high stress. Yeah. And, yeah. and stress yeah. actually, stress that's too much stress actually will not only create injury for your life, but could kill your life. Yeah. And I think yeah. to me, that's the interesting thing about our current work world um, and the expectations. I mean, especially the bigger the companies get, the it's interesting the stresses that people take on. And then the, the fast paced company too, the hyper growth company, the, the stress journey there and just how Americans relate to their stress. I mean, we're, we're maybe just under uh, Japan when it comes to how we actually put, put our bodies through stress. And that is the curiosity of, like, man, I bet you Lee Square probably does save somebody's life. He's probably just made somebody's life just a little bit easier to like stress appropriate work, uh, which I just, yeah. Yeah. who knows? I think it's a good inspirational thing. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because one of the taglines I considered when I was, you know, when we were going to market really early yeah. is uh, how much would you pay for peace of mind? Right. Yeah. Because right now, you're, you know, our, our, our uh, you know, companies out there are, you know, they're worried about, they're worried about, hey, this new lease accounting yeah. standards, these new rules. Right. Well, guess what? With least where you get peace of mind, how much will you pay for that? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, so. That's so good. Yeah, honestly, I mean, you mentioned mindset at the beginning. So Drew and I, again, we're professional coaches. I mean, we're getting in, yeah. we're coaching somebody in a corporate space, but oftentimes that's the big win is we're trying to figure out what's the story they're telling themselves and how can we change that story so that they actually treat uh, stress differently. Drew's story that you don't have yeah. time to get into, but he suffered from panic attacks and he, I mean, you've already interacted with him. He's like super chill and just acts very relaxed. Yeah. On the surface, he was that little duck with his yeah, his eyes were going crazy. His anxiety yeah. got so much. And he and I were, were college roommates. And so we're inspired by you and Chris as well. But yeah. just this this little reinterpretation of stress, realizing, hey, what's going on in my body? I could also look at excitement just as well as I look at as anxiety. To go, it's the same physiological Absolutely. thing. I'm going, man, that just mindset shift is is so dynamic and can change the game. Uh, which, yeah. yeah, I think I'm I mean, just I, inspired by. Yeah, I can't remember where I read that when they said, you know, most people look at entrepreneurs and look at, uh, you know, uh, especially successful ones that have grown companies, and they're they're like, oh my god, I'm in awe, like this is amazing, that guy, that that girl is doing great yeah. things, and they just they're just filled with admiration. And while the entrepreneur, I mean, like, so so it's like it's like looking at someone riding a lion, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, so 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 everyone else is like, wow, that person is brave. They're riding this lion. It's amazing. They're riding a lion, like unbelievable. While the entrepreneur is just like sitting there, like, oh my God, I am, I, this, I can't let this thing eat. <laughs> am I the dumbest person on the <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> exactly. I'm riding a fucking lion. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like what, what, what am I thinking? <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. help so. please. Um, that's fantastic. Man, let's get to the lightning round. Um, okay. man, lightning round question number one for you. If you could ingrain one message into your organization, what would it be? Uh, I mean, we can do whatever we want to do, right? Like literally whatever we set our minds to, we can accomplish it. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that would be that. it. True visionary right there. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. I love it. Uh, question number two, what's the single best advice you've gotten about growing your business? And what about the worst? Uh, the best advice I've gotten about growing the business is uh, 
is, you know, I've gotten a lot, right? Uh, but I think yeah. one that stuck is in the beginning, do that which doesn't scale, yeah. right? In the beginning, do the things that don't scale. Don't think about scale. Like right? flying to Dallas and meeting in person. Like flying, exactly. Like flying out there and meeting in person every single time, right? Yeah. That's just because in, the, in that starting phase, you just need to get numbers on the table, right? Uh, yeah, and, and so that, that's, that was the best advice I, I got. I don't know about Man. the worst advice. Um, I try to forget those. <laughs> That's exactly right. I forgot about it. It was that bad. Yeah, just tuned out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's funny. It, 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 you're, I mean, I, I do have this bad, this this horror. I mean, I need to get better at this. But yeah, once. I mean, I'm going to count it, right? If you the day someone comes and tells me two plus three is four, I have literally not only have will I not listen to you, but I the thing that I do remember that you did say, I will 100% forget. Right, credibility <laughs> is very important to me. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot you and your bad advice. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe it's like pretty gracious that you actually give people second chances because you forgot them and their bad yeah. advice already. <laughs> they got another Absolutely. chance sometime. Now, in the now, I will. I will tell you. I will tell you. I, so, so sometimes, sometimes advice that seems bad at the time may end up being good. Yeah. You know. I remember once uh, this this lady, I won't say her name, but she she stuck out, right? Because yeah. she was part of this entrepreneurship program that I joined and, you know, she was an advisor and, you know, she said some things that I was like, oh, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, this is a waste of my time, right? But then one thing that she said that stuck was, George, if you can get floor in the core as a client, because we had floor in the core at the time, you can get Home Depot. Yeah. And I was like, this lady's nuts, yeah. <laughs> right? I can't, I mean, I can't get These home are not the same. They're so huge, you know, exactly, not the same. Yeah. But, you know, what she was telling me was you should dare to, to, to dream, you know? Yeah. And so this was, once again, this was pre-Chris. Now, when Chris comes in and he like literally cleans us up and builds this sales engine, hell yeah, we can get Home Depot. There, yeah. There's no company on the planet that we can't get or service, yeah. you know? So, so that was one that I remembered, <laughs> right? At the time, I thought it was, it was nonsensical, uh, but that was because of where we were as a company then. Yeah, right? that's awesome. Uh, question number three, being completely honest, uh, what's the stressor that would keep you up at night? What's the, the secret fear or that thing that, that would bring the most stress to you? So, so the big one for me is, Right now we're at about well I, I don't know where our official number is, but we're about at about two hundred employees, right? And and let's assume you know fifty of them are in serious relationships or, or you know so married or in serious relationships, right? So that's three hundred people. Let's assume half of them have children, right? So that's about three hundred fifty, uh, about three hundred uh, three hundred seventy five people, right? So my big fear is I have 375 lives that rely on us, you know, because it's not just me, that relies on us, our management team, to make the right decisions, right? Like, basically, if we make the wrong decisions, 375 lives are impacted, even if it's just changing jobs, are seriously impacted, Yeah. right? So that's, that's, as I said, it's all about employees for us, right? It's all about yeah. our people. 
that is what keeps me up. Man, dude, thank you for that honest answer. I really appreciate that. Uh, question number four, what's the dream result that you're driving towards every day? Well, I just want to build the best possible company that we can, right? Um, I, I assume you're talking about some kind of exit or, or, or liquidity thing, you know. Not, uh, mainly for I, George. I, for George, not for Lee Query. Well, for George, personally, for me personally, what I'd like to see is to see other, you know, I want to set an example for other young black entrepreneurs, right? In, in our ecosystem. I mean, we live in Atlanta and we just don't have a lot of us out there, right? So, so you know, my, my goal personally is, is to be able to help and mentor other black entrepreneurs, especially those that are bootstrapped, that are having trouble getting funding, right? Is, is to kind of tell my story, right? And, and inspire them that, hey, once again, you can do it, I can do it, you know, uh, so can you, right? Yeah. So, so that's my personal, my personal goal. Yeah, man. Dude, I love that, man. And we're honored. We'll hopefully keep pushing your story because this has been fantastic, man. Uh, so thank you for that. Question number five. Uh, if you could hop in a DeLorean, we're going to go back to the future. You get to go back for five seconds uh, to your past. Shout one thing from the driver window. When are you going back? And what would you say? Okay. I got this. Is, see, I give all these long-winded answers. And, you know, yeah, this is going to be yeah. a lengthy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I have to, for, for, for me to, I have to tell you this story to tell you where I'd go. All right. Right. Where I'd go would be, the date would be September 14th, 2013. September okay. 14th, that would be the date. And it'll be at about 8 p.m. Right. And I, I was in I'm my programming the flux capacitor right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 you know, Perfect. the crazy thing, a lot of people wouldn't get that reference. You know, a lot of millennials I know. would have no I idea you what would. you're talking about. I knew We've been you thinking would. about it. We were like, man, at some point, so, this, this question is going to go out the door. <laughs> we're, trying to keep, we're trying to keep it alive. We're hoping that people keep listening. To <laughs> so so um, back to the future. So, so uh, the idea here was, was in March 2013, uh, Obviously, we didn't raise any money, but I, I convinced my coworker to to give me $12,000 in exchange for 10% of the company, right? And once again, this happened in March 2013. And September, the reason I will never forget that day, September 14th, 2013, uh, it was a Saturday, and uh, Manny Pacquiao was fighting Canoe or someone, and my friend had said, George, come hang out with us and watch this game, this, this fight. You know, you're always working. Come take a break, watch this fight. I was like, okay, I'll go. I get in my car. On my way there, I get this call from this lady, and she asks for her money back, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, why are you killing? You're not just killing me. You're killing the company. Why are you doing this? Why are you asking for your money back? And she goes, no, George, I just really want my money back. Like, I don't believe it's going to work. But, you know, and I'm like, oh, wait. I don't have this money. What are you doing? So she kept, you know, we talked, this was a two hour conversation. I was literally in this guy's driveway. Uh, and, 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 you know, so I'm trying to get her to, to, to see, you know, reason. And uh, she said, no. So I said, okay, you know what? Uh, I, I don't think I have to give you your money because we had an agreement, but, uh, but I do want us to remain friends. So I will pay you back the $12,000. I don't have $12,000 cash to give you, but I can pay you $1,000 per month, 
right? Until for a year. And she goes, okay. Which made me further know she did not need the money because $12,000 cash is very different from a $1,000 annuity. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she paid me that money in March, which what happens in March? That's when bonuses are paid, right? I used to work with this lady. So this wasn't like, they did come from a savings account or something. So I told her verbatim, and this is, I, re, I mean, I remember that I'm a Scorpio, so I'm, I can be a little vindictive, but I told her, I was like, you know what? It'll be my lifelong mission that whenever you remember this day, you will regret it for the rest of your natural God-given life, right? And she said something cool when I said that, which is, she said something nice. She was like, you know what? I hope so, because it means you're successful, right? So yeah. that 10% would have been worth right now, I mean, tens of millions of dollars, <laughs> right? So I would, I mean, and I was literally depressed, right? So I would go there, tell me, knock on the window, wind down, and be like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> yeah. That's what I'll tell myself then. Right. Because I was li- I was literally depressed. Wow. Oh man. Sorry that happened. All- glad that happened, man. <laughs> no, that's a problem. What? Are you really sorry that happened? <laughs> no, I said, said and I'm glad. And I'm very glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love yeah. it, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We could literally talk to you for hours. Um, this has been super informing, inspiring. And just uh, helpful. It's always amazing to connect with somebody uh, in our own backyard, in a sense, and to hear about the amazing. Oh, company. so you guys are you guys are in Atlanta? Uh, I am. Jordan used to be. He's okay. in Gre- he's in Greenville now, and I am just south okay. of Atlanta, Petrie City. Okay, uh, in in, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. One lesson I've learned: whenever you're traveling, always go down to the bar. And uh, I don't remember. Do you guys remember the ice storm that we had in Atlanta? A oh, while yeah. back, oh, yeah. um, not not the major one. This, this was the one that affected Greenville, where you were uh, you could you couldn't get out because of the bridge. They closed the bridge. Yeah, God, I, this was like I think in 2014 or something. But I was in Greenville, and that's, it has a special place in my heart. And I go down to the bar, and I see sit next to this guy and struck up a conversation. He happened to be the CFO of a restaurant chain. Um, I got a client literally that day. Come on. <laughs> no, that. I, can't, I cannot tell you how many times that has happened. You know, I met another I, guy who gave me, who gave me advice. Uh, this was actually pretty interesting advice. Uh, I was flying to Vegas for a con for a convention and uh, I'm sitting next to this guy and we're having a conversation and he was taking his son there. His name is Greg. He was taking his son to celebrate his 21st birthday. So he's taking him to Vegas. Yeah. So he goes, why the, he goes, why the hell are you sitting here? You know? And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, you should be fine, flying first class. And I go, what? He was like, George, whenever you're going for a convention, you should always try to fly first class because whoever you're sitting next to could also be going to the, to that same convention. And now you have <laughs> good three, four, five hours yeah, to close a deal on them. I was like, oh, huh. that's very interesting, <laughs> interesting advice. Yes. I, I never did it. I never did it, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I couldn't afford it. But uh, I thought that was interesting advice, interesting enough to share. So Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. I'm going to remember great. that. And Jordan, just make sure you you approve the, the accounting expense. The next time. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Put our company card on a first-class ticket. Man. 
George said I should always fly first class. And you should fly coach. Yeah. Get your ass in the back seat. <laughs> Lavatories for you and first class for me. And, uh, yeah. The subject of my email will be, but George said, and then I'll just attach the receipt. <laughs> exactly right. Dude, those, those Emirates flights, man. That's the one. The Emirates, right? <laughs> Gosh. I love it. George, thanks yeah. for the laughs. Thanks for the wisdom. Thanks for t- taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to be here with us. It has honestly been a, a pleasure and uh, yep. so glad to meet a new friend. So thank you so much, buddy. Absolutely. Thank An you, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.